You're watching The Sports Objective, the podcast for Pirates. That stadium is going to be rocking, and heaven help whoever walks in there to play us. Sustained effort and violence, you play your ass off. You're watching the Pirate Preview on the Sports Objective. Join us every Tuesday night on YouTube Live as we're joined by beat writers and other media members as we take a look at what lies ahead for the Pirates. Now, here are the guys. Here is a first down. Pirates. All right, welcome in to the Pirate Preview. Pirates hosting Charlotte this Saturday afternoon. At 2 o'clock, and of course, that's going to be at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium on ESPN Plus, and of course, on Playfly Sports, and that'll be for... Uh, Playfly? Yeah? That was for Bubba. <laughs> oh, okay. In a hush. <laughs> <laughs> fell over the show. <laughs> it but, is well, home- Bubba, I thought you were going to bust out laughing. I, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, homecoming this uh, Saturday, obviously, and... One in five East Carolina against one in five Charlotte and Kyle from the Grange. Somebody's got to win. Well, that's what you think. Um, I, I'm not convinced either team is going to win. Um, oh, I, uh, I was is looking at a tie. Yeah. Well, I don't know that you can't do that anymore. But I know, I I'm, jo- I'm joking. I, I um, I was listening to the to the open there and uh, heard the the other John Moore do the old first down Pirates. I remember when we used to get first down, so that was pretty neat. Um, I yeah. Uh, yeah, somebody's got to win, um, and hopefully it better be us. That's all I'm gonna say. What's up, Bubba Rosenbaum? Yeah, if you're uh, wanting to see offensive football, it's probably the the wrong game to. No, to, it'll be pretty offensive. Yeah, it's probably the wrong game to watch, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we just. Whatever it takes, we gotta gotta find a way to get it done. Hey, it Max will Smith. it will be definitely there will it will definitely be offensive football this Saturday. <laughs> by the way, the prior preview Matt Simmons is brought to you by Tussie deodorant. Absolutely, you, you know, guys, you look at stylish coaches throughout the years. You know, you go back to Hank Stram with the suit, and you go Tom Landry with the suit and the fedora. Yes, you think of Pat Riley with a the nicest, most expensive suit possible on the sidelines. And then, you know, you have Kyle's boy, Biff Pogey. And uh, with, you know, Kyle, what are your thoughts on his attire? It's great. Biff Pogey looks like he just came in from washing the car. It it was standing on the sideline. It's pumping iron, man. No, he just came in (laughs) washing the car. I I don't get it. I don't get it. 425 pounds. No, it doesn't even look like that, dude. He he he, he, I, he shows his armpits <laughs> on national TV. It's nice. <laughs> I I just I don't know. Look, Biff. A lot of our fans seem to like Biff from the press conference this week. They evidently they don't catch subtle jabs. Look, here's a little here's a little something for you. He said they didn't know. He said he didn't. You can't fly into Greenville. He didn't know if you could. That's why they're taking a bus. Uh, yeah, of course you can take a charter flight from Charlotte to Greenland. He knew it. He went. To you can take a Duke. commercial flight from. Yeah, Charlotte he, he went to exactly. <laughs> he he went to Duke, ladies and gentlemen. So he's familiar with East Carolina. He um he he also made the comment that our colors were purple and black. 
He said all their fans wear purple and black, not purple and gold. He knows our colors. So yeah, he, I'm telling you, he's taking shots just like, just like, is it a rival? Oh, I hope we can be competitive. That's all BS. The, he, he thinks of as a rival. They're going to have, he's going to have the team all fired up, foaming at the mouth and ready to go. It's going to be their Super Bowl. And we better make it our Super Bowl because they're going to make it theirs and we better match their intensity. Absolutely. Matt, I was going to ask you that very question is, uh, I know that Charlotte's your favorite team and, uh, who, who are you pulling for on Saturday afternoon? Are you kind of torn? I'm slightly torn. You know, I, uh, you know, but but I'll tell you, here's the thing, right? So I, I have been very disparaging towards Charlotte for many years and you guys know why it's because they didn't earn their way here. I won't repeat myself. They didn't earn their way here. They're here because of their market. We get that. Um, but right now, I can't say a word because East Carolina is in no position to look down on anybody. Even no, Charlotte. we better be ready. We we, should be, right. we, we yeah. better have, but we better win. We better protect our house. Well, yeah. I'll tell you, you know, you, when you take a look at this team, some of the things they've done defensively this year are very impressive. Oh, and, you're great. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is the defense, and and you combine that with our offense. This is not going to be an easy game by any stretch of the imagination. I see it as a pick 'em game, guys. I really do. And, um, you know, it's, I really think this is now, this is going to sound cliche, but I think in this game, it makes sense. It's going to come down to one or two big plays, maybe a turnover, right. uh, maybe, maybe a block punt. It's going to come down to one or two things. I've been saying it all week. It's going to come down to turnovers. Yeah. I, yeah. I, you're right. I agree wholeheartedly. And, and I'll tell you one thing, guys. My thought on this one is if, if we win the coin toss, I want to defer. I want to play the field position battle here and, yep. you know, kick off, try to get a stop, give your offense. If you can give your offense short fields, you have a chance to at least get some field goals, <laughs> maybe punch one in. But, you know, if we're having to drive the length of the field all night with this offense, you know, it, 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 it's going to be a tough game. Congratulations, Matt. That's what Mike Houston likes to do. <laughs> <laughs> this week, he might be right. Yeah, yeah, that's a no-brainer to, uh, in my opinion, to uh, you know to make make that decision to uh, defer. Kick. Yeah, to, to defer, of course, you know, defer. But where where we will be kicking off to, to start the game? Let me ask None you of- a question. I asked Andrew this last night, and he, and he really didn't have an answer for it. I'll ask you guys. Um, Charlotte, you know, has got a good D line. They have been susceptible to the big play with me. Blav scored on them. How do you how do you get a big play out of this offense when we haven't been able to do it all year? What do you do? Uh, do, do, you, do you do you do you throw deep? Do you, do you try to get do you try to get um do you try to get um uh, uh, Hatfield on the outside roll roll Garcia or Flynn out and try to hit Josiah on some on some deep balls? Do you do you try to get some yak yards, set up some screens? How, how do you get explosion plays from our offense? Matt, I I was going to ask you and Bubba Bubba being a quarterback. But that very thing, Matt showed us how you can roll out Mason Garcia. He seems to be more comfortable and more accurate when you roll him out, like to the especially to the right. And that very thing is like we've got to throw deep balls. I mean, I don't understand why we can't throw deep balls, but that's something that we haven't done a lot this year. And you're you're right on the money, Kyle. I think Andrew talked about last night. Bays, I mean, talked about how we're not throwing as many inside slants this year. And then, you know, we could get some big plays off of that. Um, I don't, yeah. But me and me and Dave had the same basic question for Matt or for, uh, yeah, for Matt and for, for Bubba. 
um, how, how do we create big plays against Charlotte being that's what they're susceptible to? Bobby, you can take that one first, and then I'm happy to jump in. Yeah, um, you take a look at Charlotte. Um, they've been pretty good against the run. Um, so I do think we'll have to make some plays in the passing game. Uh, you look at uh, and Navy, um, obviously a little bit different situation as far as that game was concerned, um, even though Navy is functioning a little bit different uh, than they have in the past, not the, the true um, – or not as much of the the triple flex bone attack, uh, more out of the gun and so forth. But uh, they did uh, one of the two big plays they hit on the 49ers in the second half in that 14 to nothing victory uh, was a, a big passing play. And so it, it seems like I, I'm trying to recall exactly, but uh, I want to say it was off of play action, uh, as you would probably guess, you know, with it being Navy. and um, I want to say it was a post route. Um, so that's, that's something that, uh, you know, hopefully Mason will be able to maybe, maybe connect with a Josiah Hatfield or Chase so well off of play action on, on something similar. And, and we've talked about, I mean, obviously Mason throws the ball pretty well on the run, uh, probably even better than, than he does setting his feet, you know, there in the pocket. So it, I would really like to see us do some true sprint out in addition to half roll and uh, moving the pocket because you, know, you get 6'5", 250-pound Mason Garcia attacking the line of scrimmage, you know, where he's got, you know, a, a comeback, a, a corner and a, a flat route or a curl, curl wheel flat or, you know, whatever the combination is. And uh, obviously that, Another option would be for him to pull it down and run it. And uh, if the defense, depending on how they uh, go about defending it, if, they, if they're not coming up, if he's pressing the line and they're staying back in pass coverage, then go ahead and get what you can get. And, uh, you know, it it simplifies what he has to read as well. The I heard uh, Matt earlier with Jay on um, Sonny and Semenza say that, you know, you, you seem to think, like Andrew Bay said last night, you seem to think Garcia is going to be the guy this Saturday. Uh, Bubba, do you think the same thing? Do you think we're going to see Garcia, or do you think we'll see Flynn or both? Uh, I think this may be one of those situations you heard Coach Houston reference. I believe it was in the weekly press conference. Um, but at some point, Coach Houston said, you know, it's been – we've taken all sorts of different approaches – um, you went into some games saying this is going to be Alex's game, kind of like the Rice game, and then other games it was more Mason, and then some you kind of like last week against SMU, uh, you went in with Alex as a starter, but Mason knowing that he was going to play the third series, I think this may be one of those games where you know, it's Mason's game. Alex starts, and then. Well, I think it will be Mason's game, probably. But then at some point, we'll probably see Alex. But we shall see. Yeah, I think, like I said earlier in the week, I mean, a lot of times it's week to week with quarterbacks. But in this case, it's almost quarter to quarter. And, you know, if Mason I, – I, I, I would start Mason Garcia this week. I would. I think in this situation, in this matchup, 
he gives you the best chance to win. But if he comes out and he's one for nine and he's missing reads and he's not throwing the ball down the field, I wouldn't hesitate to go to Flynn. But um, so, so you could see both. I think it's going to be dependent on how they play. Um, but to get back, I mean, some of the things, Kyle, like your, your question about big plays, what can we do to big plays? My, my feeling on big plays is you, you early in the game, you probe. And you, you're watching how safeties react and how the corners react. You might find somebody. You might identify that guy that gets a little jumpy and, you know, will we'll try to rush the line of scrimmage and bite on play action. And, you know, one of the things I really want to see that I think we haven't run this year is when we run this, the, the zone, zone run to the boundary, which we love to do, I want to see some set that up once or twice and then run some boot action off of that where you come back the other way and maybe you, again, you drag the tight end across the field. You can get a big play that way. There are things you can do. I mean, how about you run speed option, right? And if you get your running back in space, how about you pull him up and take a shot like a halfback option? I mean, there's so many things you could do creatively, but if you can identify a safety or a corner that's getting a little nosy at that point, you want to target that guy and 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 specifically try to find something to get downfield on him. No doubt, I I tell you what, guys, uh, this and I had a question for uh, for you guys as far as uh, I agree one thousand uh, percent with uh, Mason. Let's let Mason be Mason, and what I mean by that is, you know, when people used to always say with Holton. Mason is a playmaker. We have a lot of playmakers. Let the playmakers make plays. I know that sounds such so cliche and so simple and easy, but I really believe that if we let our guys make plays, um, then they will make plays. And I really do. I, I think <laughs> there you go. Michelle says, preach coach Semenza. I agree with you 1000% there, Shell. Um, but guys, you got to check this out. You won't believe this, <laughs> but John Gast said that he, uh, that, he, that he actually, one of his coaches was Biff Pogey in high school. How about that? And for our listeners, uh, many obviously realize who John Gast is, but, um, you know, for maybe younger listeners or those who, who may not follow baseball as closely, John Gast was a pirate third baseman you know, back in the Coach O era. Did era. he dress like that in, in high school? He said he didn't. He wore hoodies and, and bow ties a couple times. Yeah, I'm and, and, I'm so that. so so what is he like? I I, I come I, I think he's a smart guy who who tries to come across as a media, but he's actually a smart guy. Is my, is my perception right? Well, we're, we're going to have to talk while we wait for the answer. <laughs> oh, I don't. He, he, I think he's definitely a smart. The, guy. the cast is to John is to John Gas, our listener. Yeah, I'm, asking, yeah, I'm, I'm asking him what he thinks if. if if he thinks Poji yeah, is actually a smart guy and he tries to come across as a meathead. Yeah, he says very smart. Yeah, that's kind of what I took. That's kind of what I got from him. So, yeah, I don't trust him. Uh, he's um, he's sneaky smart, and um, that bothers me. I don't, I don't like that. Um, he tries to portray one image when he's actually something else. He went to Duke for crying out loud. So, um, I uh, yeah, it's this game's scary, man, because I'm telling you, he's going to have this guy fired up. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. Uh, <clears throat> I don't think that our guys will not be fired up. Do you, Matt? Like you said, I mean, these guys are hungry for a win, and I'm not saying we will win the game, but I, I don't think we're going to come out flat. I don't yeah. think that's our problem. 
Dude. I don't think it's a trap game is what I'm saying. Like, No, no. It, we, there ain't no such thing as a trap game for us this year. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying it's not a situation where we already have this big winning record and then, oh, well, guys, we're playing Charlotte. Well, we're both one and five. So I, I, it is homecoming. I think that um, maybe that will add a little incentive. I don't know if that people really care about that anymore. I do. But I don't I mean, do the players – Matt and Bubba, when you guys played, did uh, homecoming fire you up, or you were just already fired up, right, because you're playing football? It never re- – honestly, for me, I, I just love to play football. And okay. I was pretty much fired up every week. But, I mean, yeah. maybe, maybe it's a little extra motivation for, for some players, depending on their personality. I, You know, I just think if you're a player on this team, you know, you, you can't look, overlook anyone um, and because and, we're just not good enough this year. To do that, you're going to have to bring it every week. I don't care if we're playing, you know, uh, a Division two school. I mean, we're just not at that point right now. You can't overlook it's anybody. Good. So I'd be shocked if we came out and weren't ready to go. But I'll say this. I would love to see us, for once, take an early lead, get a quick touchdown, and play with a little momentum on our side. Now, Matt, talk about it from this standpoint. Coach Houston and his weekly press conference um, – when asked about homecoming and everything surrounding homecoming with the, the parades and pep rallies, et cetera, et cetera, that uh, he said, it's, we just have to keep the main thing, the main thing. And that's, that's getting a win for the pirates and, and then everything surrounding the game, that's for the fans. And obviously that, I mean, that's, I'm sure you heard that as a player multiple times, as did I, but um you know, what do you recall from some of those homecoming games, I guess, what, four or five games um, that you had in your Pirate career and um, the message that Coach Logan had for you guys? I mean, the message was always pretty clear, and that was, you know, take care of business on the field. When you step between the lines, you know, you need to be ready to go. And uh, all that other stuff that goes on, things that go on in the media, things that go on, go on in the stands. Um, Parades, that's after parties. Yeah. That's he pays like has, has after parties he wants everyone to come to. Now, I'll say this. the You know, after wins, it was nothing better than a good after party. And I look forward to those. But uh, – and we had many of those. Um, but, yeah, I mean, really, the challenge is, I mean, as a player, when you step between the lines, you need to be ready to go and uh, – you know, it, 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 I think that Logan was pretty consistent with that. It was all about the performance and about winning. Let me ask Matt and Bubba both this um, from the other perspective. Did you guys look at it as motivation when somebody scheduled you for homecoming? I know that's blown out of proportion. Lots of times homecoming is just a date. People like last year we played Memphis for homecoming, and this year we're playing Charlotte. It's around the same date. We always play our homecoming game in the middle of October. But right. did you guys, Matt, Bubba, did you guys look at it as motivation if somebody had y'all scheduled for homecoming? On the road, I mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, because, obviously, not always, but you you, you occasionally see some uh, homecoming game schedule. Like, why in the world do they schedule them for homecoming? There's definitely that uh, – you know, that perception, and, and more often than not, it's true that uh, you know a homecoming opponent, because you have all those alumni that maybe don't return to the other games, um, returning to campus, and um, you want to be able to put on a good show, and the best way to do that is having an inferior opponent. 
Yeah, and def- definitely, like if somebody scheduled for scheduled you for homecoming, that would get your attention, and then you would also try to listen for quotes coming out of the other team during the week. Maybe a quote from the coach or from the players. Like I remember when we played Stanford in the Liberty Bowl, um, really got the feeling as a player that week that Stanford thought they were the superior team. Oh yeah, and they were they were in my opinion, I thought they were. Uh, disrespectful in terms of like they thought they were from the Pac-10, you know, who who's little old East Carolina. There were some comments during the week, so you definitely look for that stuff. I mean, anything to give you a little bit of an edge. Well, we haven't given them any of that, thankfully. <laughs> but I do wonder if Charlotte, if Poji, you know, obviously he's going to be using the – is an in-state school that's established. We're new to their conference. We need to win this game. The, I'm sure they're getting from all their alumni and fans how much they want to win this game and beat ECU. And then, you know, I, I wonder if he's using the fact that we got them scheduled for homecoming. You know, he tried to use the fact that they were picked last as motivation. Um, that they didn't picked work. us last. They picked us last um, and beating the podium. But they, uh, I, I, I do wonder if he's using the homecoming thing to, to his players um, as motivation. Hey, uh, by the way, Kyle, John Gast, um, he was talking about he's totally duping players, uh, people, if they think he is anything but smart. He comes mm-hmm. from tons of money, yep. so I really don't think anything motivates him except winning. He has enough mm-hmm. money that contracts and big market money isn't relevant to him personally. Yep. Knowing yep. him, unless he's changed, but my guess is he hasn't changed. Yep, that's exactly right. I, that whole image on the sideline of wearing – it's a cut off shirt. I, it's all a gimmick, and I knew it. I, I told you guys from the <laughs> beginning. I, I said this guy's either the biggest idiot in the world or he's a genius. I told y'all that. I yeah. said there's, I said there's no in between, and I was exactly right. I smelled it from a mile away, and it's not just his armpits. I'm smelling from the cut off shirts. <laughs> How about he, the tussie? He, he's, a, he's a bullshit artist, and, I, and I'm not even saying <laughs> the tussie. Well, I might smell his tussie. Um, he, uh, <laughs> he, uh, he, he, um. And I'm not even saying that as a put-down saying he's a bullshit artist. I'm complimenting him. Um, but he don't fool me. You, you can fool some of the people some of the time. You can fool all the people some of the time. And you can fool all the people all the time. I just threw that quote on the hill. But you can't fool me. I can fool myself, apparently. Um, yeah, I saw it from a mile away. He's a poser. And I mean that in a positive way. He's tried to put off this image that he's this meat-headed guy, but he's actually smart. And um, it concerns me a little bit, man. It, this, this concerns me a little bit. This whole situation with him and this game concerns me. We better you, win it. That's all I'm going to keep saying. I'll keep saying it repeatedly. We better win it. And another thing to think about is how, you know, Houston took the job with Charlotte. <laughs> and then and They never officially took it. And I know, it, I know that, but not officially, but it was pretty much his job and there we go. Thank you, Bubba. Tussie. Hey. The Iron Preview Ball <laughs> brought to you by Tussie Cream Deodorant, original fresh spice. There you go. That's the, we, were, we were talking before the show about how Poji uh, has his armpits out all the time on the sidelines wearing those sleeveless shirts. And uh, I said, I wonder if he wears Tussie. And none of the guys knew what Tussie was. <laughs> I explained to him it was a deodorant. name in high school. Yeah, no. no I explained to him it was, uh, it was a deodorant. They'd never oh. heard of it. Bubba said, what the hell is Tussie? Yeah, I, I'm apparently... Baby, baby, where's my Tussie? Matt, Matt, let me... 
I got I got to point this out, Matt. You do the worst Southern accent for for somebody who played football in the South. Kevin your Coster. Southern accent sucks. You like Kevin Costner well, or because I grew up in New Jersey. I mean, what you know? What do you want? What do you expect? Well, I, you know, I can, I can do a Jersey accent. You know, so right, let's, hear let's hear it. All right, keep talking a little bit. Talk a little bit. All right, Kyle, let's go to the Italian restaurant. Let's get some mozzarella and some chicken parmesan. Let's get some mozzarella and chicken parmesan. Hey, yo, you know what I'm saying? I am Johnny Bag of Donuts over there at the docks. You know what I mean? I got to go over there and get it. It's like I got to go to the docks and cut all that and knock your thumbs off there. You know what I mean? Some shit like that. I don't know. It's like I'm Kyle from the Bronx. Remember I Dan work on Aykroyd. my southern accent. I got to work on it. It's Dan Aykroyd and uh, Driving Miss Daisy said, oh, mama. <laughs> oh, Dan Aykroyd's southern accent was god-awful. Good Lord. <laughs> Matt Simmons is doing a really good Dan Aykroyd for us right now. <laughs> or or Clint, uh, 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 Kevin Costner, remember him? Doing a southern accent. And it's definitely his English accent was god-awful, but. The best people that do a southern accents and aren't southerners are typically Irish people or English people. Yeah. They, they they always can do southern accents spot on. That is correct, sir. Yeah. The dude from The Walking Dead, the the lead character, um, I've seen so long since so, Matt, you watched The Walking Dead? Oh yeah, yeah. What was Andrew? The and uh was the same name? what was the lead the lead guy's name? Oh my god. Uh, not the even the actor, just the character. I think the the, the actor was Andrew something. Uh, the lead character, whatever his name was, the cop. You know, yeah, I, I cannot think of yeah, it. He, now he it. really won't from Georgia. He he's from he's from Ireland. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. What, a, what he about was Rick, Rick Grimes? Rick Grimes. I'm going to say I'm going to give the best Southern accent of all time, uh, Vivian Lee, with uh, Scarlet from Scarlet from uh, Gone with the Wind, Scarlet O'Hara. I think she's the by far the best. I think she's the by far the best Southern accent, considering that she was from England. Well, I, I think what it is is in if you do if you know anything about dialect, and I actually like I, I like this kind of stuff is uh, Southern accents are actually you know the 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 Virginia Tidewater accent is really just a slowed down English accent, and then it really Southern accents you know you got the mountain the Western North Carolina accent dial derived from a Scottish accent, and yeah, our, our yep. accents are actually more close to our ancestors. That's than from other parts of the country. That is correct, and it's funny, but our um, but Matt, like with uh, the northern accents, you, we with uh, from Jersey and Connecticut. Is, well, it's more uh, of an Italian. They, they they sound more similar to Italians. They, 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 they if you listen to an Italian talk, and then you listen to somebody from Jersey or New York, even if they're not from Italian descent, the accent is more closely resembles. Uh, the way you know uh, somebody from Italy sounds naturally. Well, you know what's really interesting Dick, about the Northeast, since we're on this topic, I can spot which borough of New York somebody is from. So if somebody's oh. from Queens, Manhattan, especially Staten, by their by their by their by their ethnicity, not by no, their no, just sure. by the by the uh, dialect by the dialect. Okay, um, somebody Jersey's from South Jersey, too. yeah, South Jersey, Philly. Very different. They have a totally different dialect. It's funny. Every you know, fifty miles or so, you go in the Northeast, you could have a totally different accent. It ain't just the Northeast. North Carolina's the same way. I mean, it's it's. And another thing with well, that's uh, true because Dave Dave Richmond does they not don't have, have an strong accent. No, southern I mean, accent at all. But Kyle, you do have a strong. So I, there's your point. Well, who right do you there. think has a stronger southern accent, Mir Boba? Uh, you both have a pretty strong accent. 
a different. I, now I can make mine go away. I don't know if Bubba can. Well, Bubba, probably not. Probably not. See, I can talk very proper like this the whole rest of the episode and sound like a complete asshole without any kind of distinct accent, but then it lacks personality. <laughs> to, what, <laughs> what did Shell say? Can you guys throw that back up there? I missed that. Yeah. Jamaica, Queens, for sure. I lived in Philly for 15 years. In yeah, West so- Philadelphia, Shell was born and raised on the playground. is where he spent most of his days. Chill out, Max, and relaxing all cool while shooting some b-ball outside of the school. He said South Philly is very different from Northeast Philly. Yeah, yeah, there it is, exactly. South Philly, the home of the infamous ECW Arena. The only other person. By the way, speaking of Philadelphia, did you see Burt Young, who played in the Rocky movies? So Rocky's brother, 83 today. So uh, rest in peace, Burt Young. You were awesome. What was his damn name in those movies? It was, it was, it was, it was Rocky's brother-in-law. Paulie. Paulie, yeah, Paulie. Yeah, 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 of course, brother-in-law, yeah, Paulie. Um, so yeah. you know what's interesting about him when you when you research his life a little bit, he was actually a boxer when he was young. He I can believe that he was a, he was a real he was a tough guy. I mean, he was a legit tough guy. I can believe that. Uh, yeah, he looks uh, like yeah. You know, one of his best roles since we're way say. off topic tonight. You know, we think Rocky with him. He uh, was in he was Amityville pretty. Horror too. Oh wow! He oh, was, I even hard too. The he played the dad, the possession where correct. the brother would get, got possessed and then wanted to have sex with his sister. Exactly. Yeah, that movie I is thought, warped. That movie yep, is crazy. It is. It, it's one of my favorite Amityville horror movies. I loved it as a kid. I don't know what that says about me, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's underrated. Not a lot of people talk about it. He was he was the dad. He was like a. Complete. He was an asshole. Yeah, he I was an it. asshole. The, yeah, that's one of the good the things the son does when he's possessed is beat the shit out of him. I love yep. the. Uh, I loved him where he played the bodyguard and back to school with Rodney Dangerfield. He played Lou. Remember that, like that, and he was like a tough guy. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Now I want to watch Amityville yeah. too. I have not seen that movie in thirty years. Probably. <laughs> Thank you, Craig. He said Kyle sounds like he's talking about Deliverance. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, 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 no. Nobody wanted to have sex with the sister in Deliverance. They wanted to, that was some hillbillies that wanted to molest the uh, Warren Beatty and, uh, and uh, Burt Reynolds. Squeal like a pig. Yeah. You have a pretty mouth. Yeah, that's a great movie. I haven't seen that in a long time either. Kyle, Kyle, go back and watch Amityville too. You'll be that movie holds up pretty well. And it's I need to. I, that was my favorite of the, the original is good, but there's something about the original that freaks me out. The, the whole Amityville series is freaky, man. But yeah, the second yeah. one was my favorite for whatever reason. I was crazy. Look, I was obsessed with horror movies from the time I was probably six years old up until about 2020. And then I kind of lost interest when COVID hit. Then I got cancer. So I didn't want to watch anything about death. So maybe I need to get back into them. This, it's October. It's, it's spooky season. All right. Yeah. Let's go around the horn real quick and we'll get back. I promise. What um, I'm gonna give you rapid fire one question: favorite horror movie um, or and or character all time? Who wants to take it? Uh, a character from horror movie: Michael Myers. Uh, yeah. Favorite Halloween franchise: Halloween. Favorite individual horror movie: God, it's hard to say, but um, I, there's a lot of good ones. Wow. Right, Powell says Jason, so he's going Friday the Thirteenth, but I'm definitely okay. Michael Myers. 
He scares the daylights out of me. Jason doesn't scare me, but Michael Myers scares the daylights and definitely Halloween. Matt, you're uh, the a original huge, Halloween. You're, his, you're a huge horror movie fan. What do you got? Dula, I love horror movies. My favorite, my favorite horror movie of all time is The Shining. The Shining. Oh, great movie. It's too long, though. It's a great, I love every single Oh, my God, that is great. I'm a big Stanley Kubrick fan, and that was. It's amazing. I mean, he yeah. is. is there was nobody like Stanley Kubrick. Did um, you like the Fox made-for-television version that Stephen I hated King liked it. better? I hated it. I absolutely You know, Stephen King didn't like Stanley Kubrick's interpretation of his book, so that's why he had Fox make that movie. Did you realize oh, that? Oh, my God. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah Steve, Stephen King, he bashed Kubrick's version of that movie yeah. forever. He still does. And, Johnny. Uh, I mean, that movie is its terrifying, and it's, it's yeah. great. It holds up. Um, Definitely. Shelley Duvall, she was also in it. Shelly Duvall, you know, they torture her during, if you ever watched the documentary on that movie, Stanley Kubrick nearly drove her to like madness. He was so hard on her. He said he did it to get the most out of her ability as an actress, but man, he was tough on her. Wow. And uh, supposedly she had like a nervous breakdown on the set. You know, it was crazy. If you watch the documentary on the making uh, well, of that Now movie, that makes me want to watch the documentary now. It's really good. I am. Um, uh, B- Bubba doesn't probably. I don't. I doubt Bubba's going to contribute. Bubba, do you have a favorite no, horror he, movie? He said, "Skip him." Okay. Um, I, I do want to mention. There's a horror movie I love, and most people hate it. And I want to give Matt's opinion on it because I'm sure he's seen it. Because Matt watches more movies than all of us. Um, and I cannot even think of the name of it right now. Uh, oh yeah, I, I remember the name. Darkness Falls. It was an early 2000 movie. Oh yeah. The Tooth Fairy was like this murderous monster that went around, and it sounds ridiculous, but I love that movie. I forgot all about that movie. Here's Johnny. Matt, <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you seen Darkness Falls? You know what? I don't. It doesn't ring a bell, honestly. Yeah, I'll have you, to check it out though. I got, I got another one. I I think we're, I we're gonna get back on Charlotte, but where do you guys stand on the Silent Night, Deadly Night franchise? It's okay. I mean, I don't. I'm not a big fan of combining horror with Christmas. I, something You're about right. it just seems. Uh, I agree, Matt, one thousand percent. You know, like well, I, you I, don't watch it at Christmas time. Yeah, I never watched it, but as a kid, I loved those movies, particularly the first <laughs> two. I would watch the first two over and over again. Craig says his vote is for Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, good sci-fi. I would call that more sci-fi. Than That's art. sci-fi, yeah, and definitely B-rated. Um, one of those B, like one of those movies, is so bad it's good. Um, like Mystery Science 3000 um, stuff. But, uh, yeah, let's get back to hopefully – well, let me just say this. I think you kind of indirectly, Dave, uh, answered, you know, unintentionally uh, Craig's question here. I'm, I'm, Am I the only one on the brink of apathy for the remainder of this football season? I'm sad <laughs> I feel this way. So we're, well, we're sitting know, here, here we the are in mid to late October, and, uh, you know, instead of – previewing the East Carolina Charlotte game we're, we're talking horror movies. Well, I'm actually fired up. I'm actually fired up for the Charlotte game, Greg. I um I, I'm not I'm apathy has not set in. I want this game as much as I've wanted any game in a long time. Uh, yep. if we if we lose this game, all hell's going to break loose. Um you, you everybody's going to want Houston. I don't want that. Look, I'm going to be very clear. If, if we go 1 and 11, uh I think I think we're going to have to make a change up top. I don't want that to happen. I I I believe Houston can get this fixed um, with the right hires and working the portal, but we can't lose to Charlotte. We've got to win this football game. Must win. It's a must win. Your avatar is gone again, Matt, but we'll just do without it the rest of the show. 
I'm going to sign in from my phone. I don't know what's going okay. on with that. But this is, a, this is a must win, guys. Listen, if you think the noise is loud now, well, you guys know this. Everybody knows this. Yeah. Um, if we were to lose this game at home, I can't even imagine the, the pressure that's going to come down next week. I mean, it's so fingers crossed that doesn't happen. By the way, yes. Pete says, uh, did anyone see the East, Car- uh, East Carolinian article? And uh, no, Pace. What was? Uh, let us know about that. So I, I'm not, I'm not familiar. Well, there, there's no telling. The East Carolinian has done some goofy stuff over the years, like putting the streaker on the cover of the uh, of the of the paper fully naked. Um, so they, they've done some goofy things. So there's no telling what the article said. Uh, I'm curious to know what it said, Pace. No doubt, and uh, you know Charlotte is. Uh, you guys are absolutely right. Charlotte is a team that uh, we, we should not. And, and that would be, here's another thing for the fan base to keep in mind. Uh, if we lose on Saturday, we've lost to both Appalachian State and Charlotte. Yeah, exactly. That's why you can't do that. If we lose to Charlotte, people are going to say we're the worst team in the state. And, and there'll be no arguing it as far as the FBS level. Uh, Pace said, ask for Donnie Kay to resign or John Gilbert to step in and make Mike Houston fire him. Well, uh, you know, it doesn't surprise me. Student papers do stuff like that. Uh, I think the students are too short-sighted. I don't know that that's the answer. No, um, because they don't understand. What people have to understand is if you think that Mike Houston is not in in involved in – I know that he's a defensive coach. We all agree. But if you don't think that he has any say in the offense, you're crazy. The no, he guy. does. He does. But more to that. You know, I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't be against letting um, Shane Montgomery take over play calling the rest of the year, honestly. But it, it, look, it, everybody needs to not worry about if Donnie Cat if Donnie Kirkpatrick is going to be back next year. Donnie Kirkpatrick will not be offensive coordinator next year. I'll go ahead and say that confidently. And I have no insider information, no intel. I just have a brain that functions. Um, Donnie Kirkpatrick will not be the offensive coordinator next year. Guaranteed. Shell's saying, and he lives in Charlotte, as you know, they're all saying we are soft and we don't have smart people running the program. Well, you you, you tell everybody, first of all, we ain't soft, particularly on defense. No. And, um, and I hope they tell, think that. I hope they think that. That's great. You, 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 you tell all you people in Charlotte that um, – I, mean, I don't even get me started. Those little big city queers. You tell them come on down to Lake Range and tell that in my face. Charlotte well, should be well. fortunate. They're catching us at, at the, the right time. From their perspective, from the right time. I mean, they're they're getting it. I'm gonna quote Deion Sanders. The, what what was it that he said the other day? This is this is the best chance you'll ever have to get me, right? Um East Carolina is only gonna get better from here. This is this is clearly a down year. So um if they're gonna get us, it better be now. Yeah, I don't look. I thought the same thing, Matt. It's a great point. I thought the same thing that, that we're going to improve. This is like a rebuilding year. But the other thing, I have a question for you guys that hit me the other day driving home, and it, I was saving it for the show tonight. I almost forgot. Uh, getting old here. Um, but do you guys think when we had we always talk about the production and the offense and defense and all that? Do you think these guys they were these, a lot of these guys were on the team? but they didn't have to worry about the outcome of the game because they were standing on the sidelines. How hard is it, Matt and Bubba, to take a role where you're just standing there and you might get to play a play or two, but you don't really have to worry about 
the pressure's not on you because the other guys are older, the upperclassmen, um, guys with experience, and you get to play a play or two and you win the games. Well, now you are the dudes. Um, how much pressure do you think it is now? Because, uh, in other words, uh, people, fans don't understand how hard it is to win a football game, um, and they were, have never really been in the position to to do that. Well, you know, you, you have to get into a rhythm as a player. And, like, if when you just go out there for a player or two here and there, it's extremely difficult. It's especially on defense because, you know, you're trying to, to get comfortable. You're trying to learn tendencies. You're trying to read the quarterback and look for tendencies on the offensive line. Is, is, a, is a lineman heavy on his hands, meaning he's going to come forward and run block? Is he, is he set back and you can read, okay, we, I think a pass is coming here. So when you just come in sporadically, this is like one of the things, when you rotate so much on defense, it can be really hard as a player. Um, so the main thing is like when you come off the bench, and my first two years I, I spent a lot of time playing special teams and coming off the bench. I was Morris Foreman's backup, so I wasn't playing much, uh, right. if any. It's hard, but you just have to get into a rhythm, and it takes sometimes it takes a whole quarter before you uh, can find it. Yeah, and obviously defense hasn't been the problem. It's offense. And as far as uh, – I don't know. I understand your question, Dave. I, I think it's more – I think it's a combination of things is the reason those guys aren't performing. Um, we, we don't – we're still not playing. Like right now, uh, when, when you look at the receivers, we're still not playing enough receivers behind the guys we're starting. I, I don't know. I don't understand that philosophy. It's bothered me really ever since Houston's been here while we don't rotate receivers more. And um, I think it's hurting us now, and I think it's going to hurt us more going forward because we, we're still not doing it. We're still not playing enough different guys at receiver. Well, I'm just wondering, do you guys think <laughs> – Justin Butts is going off about uh, – he says, by the way, before I get back to my thought, he says, don't get me started about this program. As many you know, my brother played baseball there before ECU. I didn't know that, Justin, so – Tell us about, he says, don't get me started about UNC Charlotte. So, Justin, tell us about uh, Charlotte, like your intel, your insight. Because Yeah, well, I, I'm interested to hear what, he, what his thoughts are. But I just, look, I say embrace the hate. I, 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 I'm I, fine with, you don't want to call it a robbery game for this year? Call it a robbery game for this year. Call it a robbery game yeah. every year because there's yeah. no way in hell we should ever lose this game. Well, that's not true. We're going to lose this game eventually. That's, it's impossible for us not to lose the game if we're playing it every year as a conference game. But it don't need to be this year. We need to win desperately. They're coming into our house on homecoming, and we're in desperate need of a win. If we can't find a way to win this football game, you know, I we'll talk about that afterwards. Hopefully, we won't have to have that conversation. But if we can't find a way to win this football game, that there's and that's not. I'm, I'm not. You know, I don't think we're that much better than Charlotte. That's the crime. That's the shame of it. Um, but it's in our house. It's on homecoming, and we need a win. We we better have some pride and find a way to win this game. Kyle, the similarities, to your point, the, the similarities between these two teams is staggering. Yep. Both teams right now are using a two-quarterback system. Both teams are playing really good defensive football, but terrible, like historically bad on offense. Yep, right. All right. So, like, there's a lot of similarities here between these two. The big difference is you have a quarterback, a quarterback, a coach in year one, and a coach in year five, and that's yeah. where that's where I get frustrated that we're in this position in year five. You got a coach in year five that didn't prepare to be here for year five. 
Um, let me go back to that. that. That's a great point. Uh, but Matt knows as well as I do that Logan struggled in 1997. We did go five and six. Yeah, um, that's a big I, difference between going five and six and going one and one. You know, I, we I haven't gone one and eleven. Let's not even go I, there I, until I, we. Well, I don't think, and I hope we won't. But I don't see this team finishing five, five and seven. The, I think there's a big difference between that team and this team, and I think that difference was at quarterback. And you know, Danny Gonzalez was the quarterback that year in '97, yeah. and he hadn't played a lot because he was backing up Marcus Crandall, but. You know, make no mistake, he could, Danny Gonzalez could throw the football. Well, he had a cup of coffee in the league after that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was, he was well coached. He was groomed. He had the a Cowboys. very strong arm. Um, so if you, ha- if you were able to have a guy like Danny Gonzalez, that quarterback on this team, I would say you have a chance of turning the quarter, the corner with this defense. But until we see something out of these quarterbacks, man, it's going to be a tough road. Robert Dedrick makes a great point. Thank you, Robert, as always. He said, it's not just the playing calling this bad. In the words of John Gruden, we need to better better effing execution. Multiple position Mm -hmm. groups are not playing well. Well said, Robert. I think that's something that everybody wants to put it on Donnie Kay. I don't think – I think, let's say hypothetically, that East Carolina could get the best offensive coordinator right now. I, I don't see that as the problem. I really don't. I think that um, I agree that we don't throw the deep ball. That's the well, one. What do you think the problem is? Because you think you don't think it's talent, and then you don't think it's the coordinator, and you don't. Think I think they don't know play. how to win. I think that they maybe you could argue that uh, some of these guys. I, I think that they were they're extremely inexperienced. I think that's uh, that's a big one for me. I do think the talent is there. I just think that. It's re- extremely difficult to win, and when you have guys that already know how to win, like Holt Nailers, and we don't and look very talented on the offensive line. The line we we do agree on that. The problem with the line is we don't have the depth at line. I think we have a few good uh, offensive linemen, but overall, you're right. Being able to substitute those guys in would be you fantastic. really don't sub on the O line that much, Dave. That's one position you really don't sub that much on. A little bit, yeah, a you, little bit, but not much. Um, it, 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 we're, we're not subbing enough at to me, in my opinion, that receiver, um, on the opposite side of the ball. And to me, we, it's, it's been something we have me for a while. Yeah. And we do have more receivers that we should be playing. I, I definitely agree with you 1000% there. Yeah. Especially if we have drops. I mean, you got to put guys in that, you know, it's the same thing, Matt and guys with the, with the, you have a running back and the guy, I don't care how great of an athlete, if he fumbles, he's going to be, he's going to be on the sideline, you know? Same thing with a wide receiver. A lot of the, all those drop passes we've had, um, that would have helped Mason Garcia. Not to mention, we've talked about it a lot this year about all the penalties. So you have an inexperienced, uh, two inexperienced quarterbacks that are looking at seven, second and twelve, third and fourteen, like these really second or down or third down. Oh, you go to the preset penalties, and yep. you know that can you. you that goes to two things. If they you can clean that up. You got it. You, you got an inexperienced offensive line. And then you change your quarterbacks every five seconds, which changes the cadence, which makes it harder for the O line. Right. So you're going to continue with these preset penalties. You, you, it's like, you know, we're not doing, we're not doing things to fix the problem in games. You're making it more difficult. And it, I understand why we played two quarterbacks, but when you got a young O line, you, you, they're already going to be susceptible to getting pre snap penalties. And then you got a quarterback which changes the cadence and everything else. 
makes it more like you know we're starting matt you talked about how many drives we started on first and 15 or second and 13 where where we got a pre-snap penalty on first or second down or the first play went for a loss well we had four false starts on first down against smu unacceptable and you know so you you just you're just killing yourself i mean you you can't win like that you can't do it it happens every Bubba, you play quarterback. How much does it affect the offensive line, particularly a young offensive line, having a different quarterback coming in, having to, playing with two different quarterbacks with the cadence and those pre-snap penalties? How much do you think that is on switching the quarterback in and out? Definitely could have something to do with it. I mean, obviously, there are certain ones. Um, you know, I'd say you know, if it, you know the false starts that are because of or that are um, you know occurring. By the by, the lineman that's it's more likely to to at times you know perhaps be because of that. Um, because I remember when I was playing, you know, whether it was myself or going to another quarterback, you know, where you were dealing with two or three different cadences, you know, especially like early in camp, where you were, you know, where before they really started narrowing down the reps to just a couple guys where you had three or four quarterbacks calling this snap count, uh, you would see, uh, you would see those false start penalties a lot more than you would once you narrowed it down to just the, the top two guys on the depth chart where, where, you know, the third and fourth guys are pretty much are just learning by osmosis, just, just learn, learning by watching. <laughs> Yeah, Matt, with that, um, with, for example, with wide receivers, don't you agree though, the guys, with the fact that you, you have guys that are on the sidelines and you're competing. We talk here about the competition uh, with this program. So you hear about a competition with, uh, say, with the wide receivers. Well, if you have guys that are on the first string that are dropping passes, don't you bring other guys in to say, hey, um, I don't care if you think you're the best, you know, uh, wide receiver on the team. You're dropping passes. We're going to let uh, Johnny start over you. Well, I'm all for open competition. Like, who's ever playing the best football deserves to play. Uh, you know, I'm also in favor of letting players work through things to a certain extent. You know, like, if you come out and drop a pass, I'm going to let you work through that. But if you drop two or three passes, now I need to make a move. Um, right, right. I don't mean to be, like, you know, uh, reactive. Yeah. Right. No, I, I trust. I know exactly what you're saying. You make a good point. I, you know, I think I just think there's a fine line between letting players work through some stuff. Um, now, you know, Jari, Jari Patterson, um, you know, he he was starting earlier this year. Um, he had some drops. He had a fumble. Really haven't seen his number called since. I mean, I I, I really like that kid, too. Yeah, I think he's got some 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 potential, and uh, well, no doubt about it, he's got potential. Um, but you know, what what do you do with that situation? Do you do you cast him away for the rest of the year, or do you get him back out there and build his confidence? And if you, if you feel like you have a playmaker, and that's, I think he's, that's where it gets difficult. Yeah, he's a, he's one of the guys that you know, like so well, and he and there's others that are you know. Uh, they should be playing, and uh, well, so well is obviously playing. But uh, when you mentioned Patterson, you're you're absolutely right. Unless he's doing something bad off the field, or uh, certainly with the uh, any kind of team rules or something like that, or academics is one thing. But 
uh, I like that kid, and I hope that he can get some more playing time. Something else uh, uh, along the lines of cadence that that Craig Doucette brings up on Facebook. He says this might be the dumbest question of the year, but do we have a cadence or is this the snap on a certain clap? I mean, that's something you know. I mean, Donnie Kirkpatrick mentioned that prior to going to Michigan when he was asked about you know, playing in front of a hundred and nine or ten thousand people at the big house and how they were going about preparing for that. You know, that that's something that you know that has you know with the evolution of offensive football and it's become more and more common, you know, where if teams are practicing with music, teams are operating out of the shotgun and, you know, the cadence is, you know, a lot of times from not all teams, but a fairly large percentage, it, it is that clap. Uh, so, you know, I, I can't speak a whole lot about that, um, considering that's not the way we functioned when, when, when I was playing. But at the same time, I would I would think that that would, you know, probably at least decrease the odds of it being an issue as far as going from quarterback to quarterback. But something else that is an issue is obviously, you know, that that quarterback, and then with the help of the the center you know, the things that they have to identify as far as identifying the mic and and so forth and the different calls now uh, going from quarterback to quarterback uh, and just making sure consistency there because not as many reps, you know, maybe one one quarterback, you know, is, is a little better, um, you know, whatever the case may be. Can yes. a defensive can a defensive player clap or and and, and you to try to throw off the offense or is that a that's funny? I got it's funny you bring that up. I can't remember if it was the I think it was the, the App State Coastal Carolina game last Tuesday, so about a week and a half ago. The um, I want to say is App State got a got a penalty for uh, simulating the snap count. <laughs> there you go. Well, that answers that question. It is a penalty. Yeah. 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 Justin is a, Justin Butts is a, a referee. He said it's, it's a penalty. So there you go. I didn't so know you, that. So I learned something tonight. So if you got the clap, you can't give it to somebody else. <laughs> wow. I think it was, I, I think oh, it, may, it may have been Crystal Carolina's, if it wasn't their first play from scrimmage, it was their first drive, I want to say. So, yeah. You know, I just want to let's just rewind this conversation back to the O line for a minute, if we can. Um, okay. I think one of the problems what I see from the O line is that I think we have a strength problem on the O line. Mm. I don't see us stonewalling people. I right. see us getting pushed back constantly in one-on-one battles. We get pushed back. I think we have a strength problem. So maybe we are weak as, as the rumors are going around in Charlotte. We're yeah, soft. Well, we're, yeah. we're soft, Matt. I mean, you know, I, I you know, I, I think we need to look at that. I mean, I think we need more strength on the line, and and I think Bubba and I were actually having this conversation about, you know, the, the O line is the foundation of everything you do as an offense, as a football team, really. And we might need to look at the type of bodies we're recruiting at O line. Like, I don't know if you need a guard who's six six. Um, 
you know, you might want a guy who's 6'2", 6'3", and very strong inside. And, you know, like I'm watching JMU right now. They have some shorter guys that are very strong and pretty effective blockers. Um, we might want to revisit this. I don't know, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's great. Go out and get a kid who's 6'8", 320 pounds. But can he block anybody? Does he have feet? You know, I think we need to really revisit our strategy on the O-line, who we're recruiting, the type of athlete we're recruiting. And um, because right now it's just not competitive. It's like you said, Matt, if you're 6'6", 325 on the O-line and you're not being offered by an SEC school, you might suck. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's no doubt. I mean, you know, so I don't know. Just something to consider. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm just I'm – just, observing from what i see but we just don't look very strong up front we don't seem to get a lot of push and and yeah that's for sure so i i don't know man in charlotte's d-line is good i'm telling you we're out the window this one with defense i don't i don't it is going to be a low scoring football game i have a feeling i agree um <clears throat> if if we if there was some way like we were talking about early matt and bubba um we're talking about the plays, but some X plays maybe that uh, Charlotte can get beat on. Are there certain guys? I know that Kyle mentioned Josiah Hatfield. Are there some other guys that? Uh, how about um, if, uh, say, like a Bond or a Gun were healthy, and maybe you could have some kind of trick play for them? I, Bubba made a good point the other day in text. Uh, if Gerald Green's back healthy, if we're going to truly run more speed option. Uh, he's got a lot of experience running option from Georgia Southern. Oh, that's right. Uh, how, how is how Bubba? How 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 fast is Green? What type of runner is he? Because I haven't really seen much out of him. He's fast enough that uh, you know he took one probably fifty sixty yards to the house against Nebraska last year. That's pretty fast. Oh wow! Yeah, and and then also against other over the last two or three years, I mean, he he had anywhere from like four to. 550 yards per season. So, I mean, he was coming in having rushed for about 1,500 yards, maybe over 1,500 yards in his college career um, for a decent, you know, pretty good program um, with Georgia Southern and then um, doing it against some pretty good competition. You know, yes, Nebraska has been down, but at the same time, you know, you got Troy, who, who was very good. And then others, Coastal Carolina, it seems like he had a good run against them. But um, you know, some of those better programs in the Sun Belt. Or, He's supposed uh, to be back not, healthy this week, lost. right? It was a uh, – you know, going into SMU, um, you heard that Marlon Gunn was ready. You heard that Gerald Green was close to being ready. So that was that was why I was thinking that he was he was probably – Probably going to be a go this week, but I have not heard for sure. Um, as far as to what B Pace is asking, how much has lo- losing running backs coach Chris Foster to Northwestern? How much has that hurt? That helped. Um, no, I, I would say. I mean, I, obviously, you know, just what you hear, and then also, I mean, you're not not being there on a daily basis or even at all, uh, really, to amount to anything as far as practice. Um, I would say that it's more 
and just a product of the O line situation, not not the uh, and quarterback play, not not yeah, and all the offensive problems, not the, the switch from Chris Foster to Raquan Boyette. Yeah, if we ain't gonna have Bond this week, and I hope we do have Bond, but even if we do have Bond, I'd like to see Foster on some of those option plays, um, just because he ran. You know, you play at Georgia Southern, you'd ran some option football. I would imagine he. he yeah, you mean Gerald Green? Gerald Green. Who did I say? Foster. Drew. Who the hell's Foster? Chris Foster. Okay. Oh, okay. You were thinking Foster. And, and, and Chris Southern. Foster had Chris Foster had coached at Georgia Southern, which was the connection. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I got was you. Getting right, Gerald yeah. Green to Greenville. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Uh, so uh, yeah, Green. Um, yeah, I'd like to see him. You know, I would. I would think he would not. You know. I, I had nothing against Raji, but I think he'd be more effective on those option speed option plays than Raji. Yeah, like I said before, guys, I think that uh, some uh, I, told, I told you guys, thinking group text, but for me, uh, Raji is great uh, when you're looking for those big third down, fourth down, and one, two, something like that to just run over people. But um, he's that's not his. I don't think that's his game. Um, having speed option or any of the uh like option plays I, I just don't i mean i would be matt uh don't you guys agree throwing it out to uh throwing out to raji he's very good at catching the ball and maybe get some yards out of the catch but as far as like he's never been obviously the home run hitter uh anyway um so i would go for third down fourth down special packages form at the goal line um and then you have gun and and bond that are you know home run hitters You've been listening yeah. to DK too much. I really haven't. <laughs> I, I, no, I, I'm jo- I'm joking as far as as far as Raji. Instead of Raji. That, they played on Pirate Radio. Yeah, it's not Raji, Raja, or whatever. It, it's Rajay. Rajay. But, uh, but uh, now, sorry to cut you off. Interrupt there. Go ahead, Matt. No, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I don't know why Marlon Gunn's not getting more touches. He was, he looked great in between the tackles last week and limited carries. He was running hard. He was dragging defenders. I don't understand that. Um, you know, the thing, and I agree, Dave, Raji, his best skill set is short yardage and goal line. He's very effective there. It's going to be tough for him behind the offensive line. Player. Yeah. It, it's going to be tough for him behind this offensive line because he's a straight-ahead runner. He likes to run people over. He's not a particularly shifty guy. Like, what we need right now is we need somebody like, I'll give you Kyle's favorite running back, Ventavious Cooper. I mean, you need somebody that, when the line breaks down, can make people miss cut, and cut on a dime. Right, Kyle? I mean, yes. talk about that. Yeah, Cooper could cut on a dime. Eh? Cooper – Cooper was always he, – he didn't have breakaway speed, but he would make big plays because he could cut without slowing down. He never slowed down. Even though he didn't have Chris Johnson speed or even Marlon Gunn speed, he he just – he always – his motor never stopped running. He did not have to slow down to cut at all, and he had great vision, and he knew right when to cut. And, uh, yeah, that's my favorite kind of running back, as a matter of fact. That's why I love Cooper so much. Think about that run he had to uh, put away the the Beef O'Brady's Bowl against Ohio U. Oh yeah, yeah. When 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 he did uh, make at least one, if not two or three, tremendous cuts. Yes, that's one. Um, I I can think of several. He UNC, he he had some good runs against them, and um, 
in 13 where he had some tremendous cuts in that game. I was going to mention that one, that game, Kyle. It's funny you mentioned that. I was just thinking you wouldn't see. I remember watching Cooper. Um, I'm pretty good. One thing I'm pretty good at judging is running back talent. And I remember watching Cooper play um, early in the season before he started starting in 13 and telling my wife, I said, he's our best running back. If he can learn, you know, the offense and how to pass block, he's coming in here as an option quarterback transition into running back. And, um, you know, in that UTEP game, uh, we had guys suspended. I don't even remember our running back room that year in 2012, but we had guys suspended and then we got a guy injured. And Cooper was basically the only guy left on the bench. And that's how he ended up being our starting running back because he showed out against UTEP and the rest is history. Yeah. I'd love to see his ability. To Reggie, Reggie Bullock. Yes, yes. Reggie too. Bullock. He was playing behind him. That's right. Reggie Bullock. Sorry. Yeah, Bullock was the uh, UNC basketball player. Yeah, Kenston Native. Basketball. Reggie Bullock. And, uh, and then uh, that was also the 2012 season. Remember when we uh, – Remember when we beat UCF uh, and, and you had uh, – can't believe I'm blanking on his name here, the Charlotte native um, at, at running back from from Ardrey Kale High School. Uh, I'll think of it here in a minute. I don't think we beat UCF in 12. I think you think 2011. You're, 2011 you're in Greenville. Yeah. Yes. T- Torrance Hunt. Yep. Yeah. 2011. Yeah, night game and uh, Torrance Hunt broke that run toward the uh, toward the bone or not toward the bone yard toward the Murphy Center. That game that night was fantastic atmosphere. I remember that game very well. Um, We were playing to to get in contention for bowl eligibility. The following week, we ended up losing to Marshall and not going bowling. But I remember that game having a really good atmosphere for a what was a four win football team going into that game. Zico pursuit. There you go. That's name from the past. Man, Bubba, you're amazing. Uh, do you guys have any more thoughts before we go to the Charlotte beat writer? Uh, I, I, you know, I'm, we're going to go to him. How long's the interview, Bubba? Because I'm, I'm going to dive out if, if we want to. A little over, not, about 20 minutes, a little over okay. 20 minutes. Well, I'm diving out. I don't know about the rest of you guys, and we'll just, yep. you know, let the interview play. So we want to give our score predictions real fast. I'll go first. Um, I'm going, I will say, I will say 28 East Carolina, and I'll say 28 to 21 East Carolina gets the win, and we're not going to fire Mike Houston at least uh, this week. Yeah, I- I'm going to go um, a little lower score than that. I'm going to get Pirates 17, 49ers 13. Wow. All right. Hey, we get the win. That's the most important thing. Bubba or Matt? Uh, yeah, Bubba or Matt? Go ahead, Bob. Go ahead, Matt. I was going to say seven. Kyle, did you say seven thirteen? So you said seventeen thirteen. Correct. That's exactly what I was going to say. Well, um, great minds think alike. Well, you can stick with that. it. Just stick with it. We'll, we'll have the same score. Yeah, I'll say that. And uh, my final thought, in addition, before we pass it to Bubba here, since we were talking about movies, the movie Poltergeist is on AMC right now. Classic. Oh man. Classic here. I love that. Oh my god! And that that the crazy thing about that movie is how, how many people, um, including Heather Work, the uh, girl in there, how many of them died? Yeah, it's cursed. It's yeah. crazy. But they—I don't know if they've done a. Um, I'm sure they probably have, but I haven't seen it. A documentary on Poltergeist. Back to the light, Caroline. 
woke, he woke up Carmelo. <laughs> Caroline! Uh, that's awesome. All right, Bubba, your score, or do you have any poltergeist thoughts? And Seb Robert says, are you going to have your victory celebration at Green Acres? If so, um, tell Mr. Bob I said hello. Actually, no, it's going to be at uh, Porky's Backyard Barbecue, but I do love, I will spend some time out there with um, Bob, Mr. Bob and Miss Janice. They're great. Bob, your score? Uh, let's see. I'll go um, just just to be a little different. Uh, I'll say uh, I'll say twenty to ten. Oh, I, you know what? Of all the scores, yours is my favorite. What, what was that comment about? Who was somebody said I'm gonna be asleep tonight? Who was that? Craig. Craig. <laughs> Poltergeist. <laughs> Craig, get it towards the light. I'm a fat old lady psychic. <laughs> and a young, a young Joe Beth Williams, guys. How about that? Yes, sir. I don't know who that is. Gorgeous. She's the wife. That's the mom. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. I didn't. I don't. Okay. Ty, yeah, just Google it. Google that it. That was out. tremendous. <laughs> is that uh, Donnie Garner saying that there? It's a classic. Indeed. Robert Matthews says over under on that passes will over 20 be yards. A classic. Over Make under on passes over 20 yards. I'm going to take the under. Well, while, under. while you're asking for a number, um, for us or just combined, um, I'm going to say combined 10. Each team will have, uh, we'll have six, they'll have four. All right. Brandon says it'll be wow. 10 to 3 ECU. That's his prediction. That I, can see, I can see that. 10 to 3. I can see that. Yeah, if, you, if you're saying there's going to be 10, 10 passes over 20 yards in this game, I think I'll yeah. take the under. No, you're taking the under? The okay. Score. I'm going to sit the over under at 10, and uh, you're going to take the under. Okay. No. It, Dave, uh, Kyle was talking about the number oh, of passes okay, earlier. Oh, okay. And that six for us and four for them. Oh, okay. That's right. I'm, uh, you're taking the under. All right. I'm trying to think back to six passes every 20 yards for us all year. Yeah, I don't. I don't well, remember you, that. You make a good point, Bubba. Maybe yeah. I, maybe yeah. I know. I know it's. Ha- I know it's happened, but not by much. Let's let's uh, let's hope that the, the guys just uh, like you said. This is the North Carolina Barbecue Bowl in Greenville. We finally get it. Uh, no, it's the battle for the gold. I already told Bubba we're gonna we're gonna make this a trophy game since we're the Pirates and they're the 49ers. It's the battle for all the gold. For the um, speaking of which, one more thing. Um, I, hey, um, Matt, did, did you hear about the Greenville Summer League wooden baseball team? The, did you see that? We're one of the finalists. All our players when we made a wood. Yeah, the name is the Greenville Booty. No, that's not the name. That was one of the proposed names. The know, proposed names is the I know, booty. I know, but I'm well, saying that's point, the, they're, 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 That's a pirate word. This word's coming. I know it. I know it is. But it's funny. I, I like peg legs. Peg, peg legs leg is what I'm toys. going with. The green peg legs. legs. I, I like peg legs. Uh, what about you, Matt? Did you see that, Bubba? Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I don't love any of them, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. Just being like, honest, Matthew says uh, Outer Banks already has the scallywags. 
That is correct, Robert. Thank you very much. But are they part of the Coastal Plain League? They're not, but uh, they're part of the actually the Old North State League. There's a whole bunch of teams in North Carolina. How about they do this? What if they called them the Greenville Pirates? I mean, that, what a concept. I don't have a problem with it. It they, can make their, they can make their colors purple and gold. I mean, you know, and really try to play to the East Carolina fans that are already there. Yeah. I mean, how many, how, that would be a lot of confusion, though, don't you think? No, if you get that confused with East Carolina, you're probably mentally handicapped. Uh, yeah. All right. So I think like we've. Robert uh, Matthews says, he said, it's, you know, we talked about some of the mind boggling statistics with our offense and specifically our passing game or, or lack thereof, you know, through six ball games, two touchdown passes. We don't have a quarterback with multiple touchdown passes as <laughs> Mason and Alex. We will one apiece. And uh, we don't have a receiver with a, a touchdown. That's amazing. Well, that's yeah, insane. Shane, Cal- Shane Calhoun with the receiving touchdown against Marshall, and then you had, yeah, uh, Rajay Harris. I expect a big game out of Calhoun this week with Savage back to take some load yes. off of him. I, I expect to see Calhoun make some plays in the passing game this week. Um, so if you get to that seventeen points, I say we're going to score. Savage can help. He can help. He's got yep. some talent, and he's yep. a big target. I would definitely try to get him involved. It, it, he's at least going to give Calhoun a rest. Yep. No doubt. No doubt. All right, uh, guys, do you have anything else? And then we'll go to our interview with uh, the Charlotte Bead writer. Nope. Nope. Got nothing else. Better win Saturday. That's all I'll say. You know, there's a must There's must wins. To me, this is a better win. It's the, we'll call it the Tussie Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're giving a lot of love to Tussie tonight. The one, the, yeah, yeah. I, like I don't know. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm almost <laughs> sorry I started that before the show. I think it's hilarious. I have never. I, I'm. I'm very lost. I thought that. Yeah. Well, it made sense when you figured out what it was. I, I said yeah. I was going to. I said I was going to give Coach, uh, Coach uh, uh, Poji some Tussie, and they, none of them knew what I was talking about. They had to look it up, but. He, he, for everybody don't know, he, he doesn't wear sleeves, and you can see his armpits all the time during the game. Yeah. So that's what made it funny once <laughs> I realized what you're talking about. I had no idea. Yeah, it's, so, dollar, it's dollar store deodorant. It's called Tussie. So. Tussie. Come here. So Tussie. you're in section 17, 18, and you hear somebody screaming about Tussie on, on Saturday afternoon. Uh, you, you know it's Kyle Bartlett. I'm going to get thrown out because they're, they're thinking I'm calling the coach something else. <laughs> unsportsmanlike behavior by Kyle Barber. Yeah. All right. Good luck to the pirates. Uh, again, Saturday afternoon, homecoming two o'clock. Let's get a win. So we don't have to worry about firing him. And maybe Biff Poggi can talk about sub dogs and be more worried about that than the ball game. Uh, Matt, Bubba, Kyle, thank you so much. Bubba, I'll pitch it to you now. Yeah. Matt and I had the opportunity of, as it turned out, uh, you know, I had some different, Things going on this afternoon that I had to take care of. Matt um, carried the interview and appreciate him doing so uh, with um, you know the Charlotte 49ers beat writer Hunter Bailey. And let's go to that conversation with Hunter Bailey right now. 
49ers beat writer and Highway 49 podcast host, and that is Hunter Bailey. Hunter, welcome back. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me back. Hunter, how you doing, my friend? Thank you so much for taking some time today to uh, to speak with us. And uh, obviously a an interesting game when you look at it from the perspective that Charlotte, for the first time, is heading into Greenville. And obviously now we are both in the same conference together in the American Conference and um, the start of, of a new series for us. And first of all, um, you know, appreciate you coming on and what are your thoughts, Hunter, as you look at this game and, and the opportunity heading into Greenville? Absolutely. I think I think this game is exciting for, for Charlotte in particular because they've never really had kind of a, an in-state rival, whether it be conference, out of conference. They've had some games with App State. I think they've played three times. A couple of them were decently close, but App State beat them all three times, so it's not a rivalry until the one or at least both sides are competitive. Um, and this could be the start of something fun. Um, Poji says it's not a rivalry yet. Hopes it will be. Thinks it brings a lot of, you know, fun atmosphere for the fans. Sells a lot of tickets. Uh, I mean, three, four-hour drive to the game should be a lot of, a lot of green and gold as well as uh, purple. I'm looking forward to it, man. Looking forward to getting down there. I've never been to Greenville. Absolutely, Hunter. And you know, you mentioned uh, Biff Poji and. Uh... You know, certainly a, a an interesting personality when you look at him and his press conferences. And like I mentioned to you, you know, kind of jokingly before the show, Hunter, you see you see the attire, you know, you see the cutoff sleeves and um, obviously a down to earth guy. But then when you when you listen to him in press conferences, a likable guy um, seems to be, again, down to earth, a type of guy that players can relate to. Um, how is he adjusting to Charlotte and how are the fans adjusting to him? Definitely. Um, just talking to him, I haven't had a ton of kind of one-on-one time with him, but when I have, uh, genuine dude, can tell he really loves his family and then his players. He talks about all the time that the kids keep him young. And uh, yeah, as far, as far as how he's taking to Charlotte, uh, like I say, the, he loves his team um, and he seems to really, really like his staff despite some kind of – after the Georgia State game in week three, it kind of was like a war pass, like all, all hell might break loose. Uh, but he's since kind of walked that back. He said on Tuesday at the presser he's in good cheer. Uh, you can't really hide from being one and five. Uh, year one is you, – you expected a little bit more based of – well, honestly, you expected a lot more based off of all the preseason talk. And you've seen some flashes. They hang with Maryland early. They're up 14-0, lose that game. They keep it close with Florida uh, and the Navy. They just couldn't put any points on the board in that one last week. So you've you've seen, I'll call it like glimpses of a solid team c- competing in the AAC and then lapses of average. And that's, I think it's part of what happens when you try and add 70 new players to a roster and bring back 50 from, from a previous regime, try and get everyone to mesh together. And I mean, because just from the personal aspect, if you were a sophomore and you thought, hey, next year's my year, and then you get a new staff, get recruited over, and now you're on the bench again for your junior year, obviously we're all, we're all people. I think that plays a little bit of a role in some of some of this. And then you take, take some losses five in a row, and you're kind of wondering where the locker room is at going into a game like this. 
Absolutely. And, you know, the one thing you'll say to that is that, you know, Biff has had, uh, you know, essentially one off season and was very active, as you mentioned, very active in the portal and really turned over the roster. Um, and, and, you know, the one thing I'll say is, you know, when you look at Charlotte and East Carolina, you're talking about two teams that really struggle offensively to say the least. Um, and I'm, I'm putting it mildly, um, but defensively, two teams that are, are very solid, in my opinion. And I'm pretty impressed with the fact that what Coach Poggi was able to do in one offseason, um, bringing in all the new personnel. And, you know, like you mentioned, this is a team that, uh, you know, played very well against Maryland, very solid team for the Big Ten, uh, pushed Florida late into the fourth quarter. Um, so what are your thoughts? Let's start with the defense, Hunter. Uh, tell us who to look out for there, who are some kind of, you know, the studs defensively and and uh, what we're looking at there. Definitely. Uh, Ryan Osborne, the defensive coordinator, he's he's the real deal. Um, he's the best I've been around at Charlotte since starting to cover the team back in 2018. Uh, Glenn Spencer, you got to mention him as well. But the defense is much improved. I think they've climbed like 50 spots uh, from last year. They're giving up almost 15 points per game less than a year ago, hundreds of yards less. Uh, they're getting a lot more pressure on the quarterback, having multiple sack games from quite a few different players. And then kind of the star of it, of the two stars I will say, is Yabi Okianoma. He started his career at Alabama. He's been around a lot. Alabama went to Houston, went Juco, went to Michigan and chose to follow Poggi to Charlotte for his final season. He's the star of the defensive line for sure. At the next level, you've got Nakai Hill-Green, another Michigan transfer. Also played for Poggi at St. Francis in high school. And that kind of speaks to the loyalty thing we talked about with Poggi earlier. Those are the two guys. And then you've got some kind of ancillary pieces, like Demetrius Knight is another linebacker. We've seen a lot of good things from Dante Balfour, the corner. And then Stone Handy um, at on the edge as well. Uh, they've got the the biggest weakness for this defense has been the big play. They've given up, I think it's a 98 yard touchdown, a 97 yard run against Navy. They were solid the like almost the entire game. It was two big plays. It was like a 69 yard deep ball, kind of a deep post. It was just like a perfect pass. Uh, and then they gave up dive on the triple option for like a 61 or 62 yard touchdown. Um, outside of that, there was a long period of the game where Navy had eight or less yards on like seven of their first nine drives or something. So the, the defense gone from what I've covered from the past few years where I felt like I was just writing the same story, like Charlotte, how many points can they score to win the game? Now it's kind of flipped to can Charlotte's defense score or special team score because the offense can't. So that kind of speaks to the defense uh, right now. Yeah. And you know, that's how Navy typically typically wins games. You know, everybody wants to talk about the triple option, but usually you're going to see once or twice a game they're going to they're going to go play action and they're going to take a deep shot, and they're very effective at that. And they've they actually beat East Carolina like that last year in a game in Greenville where uh, ECU held them down largely throughout the game, but they hit one play action deep ball. Um, for probably a 65, 70-yard touchdown, and that's all it takes. That's all it takes, but um, definitely a good performance by the Charlotte defense. Um, you know, again, I think you're going to see two defenses that are very solid, 
know, I think this is going to be an ugly game. You know, when you look at it, it's going to come down to, in my opinion, um, a big play, possibly like you mentioned on either side, or it could come down to a special teams play or a turnover. I think it's going to be that close that uh, it could come down to the team that makes the fewest errors. Um, so, so Hunter, how about offensively? Tell me about this team. Kind of, kind of fill us in on this, the type of offense they run, the system, and you know, based on that, wh- where do you think they're going? Like, what do they want to look like offensively? That's a great question, man. Uh, when when Poji came, the the question or like his introductory press conference, he said we're going to run the ball. We want to be two tight ends, two tight end offense. Bring the Big Ten to Charlotte, power run, then open it up for play action. He said, I don't care if everyone in the building knows what we're doing. We want to be able to run the ball, and I think you've we saw that some at the beginning of the season. And I think that they've realized that they don't have the personnel on the offensive line. Plus they're dealing with quite a few injuries there to really be a kind of power rushing team. And then the biggest struggle has been, they don't have a a consistent quarterback and you talk Jalen Jones, talk Trexler Ivy, uh, switching back and forth last week, a wrinkle was, it was Trexler Ivy's game and Jalen, Jalen Jones played receiver. Uh, It was, didn't work. It was very ineffective. Um, and I assume Jalen Jones will return and be the starting quarterback this week following zero points uh, and just 265 yards of total offense. But as far as what they want it to look like, I think it's still they want to run the ball on early downs. They want to set up third and manageables rather than third and long. And for an offense, Charlotte is literally dead last in the nation on third down conversions with I think it's 23.5%. And it's because all their third downs are third and nine, third and 10, third and 11, whether it be penalties, taking a sack early or running the ball two times in a row, getting stuffed and then realizing it's third and eight. Um, The offense has been the most troublesome aspect. And when you look at it, they don't have a ton of weapons. Now the best running back on the team, Darrell Robinson is out for the year dealing with an ankle. They don't have any of the three receivers uh, that they had last year, Grant DuBose, who's in the NFL now, Elijah Spencer, who transferred to Minnesota, and then Victor Tucker, who graduated. And they're relying on uh, kind of a, a hodgepodge of receivers. Early in the year, they expected Jaden Bradley, a Pittsburgh transfer, to be kind of the number one option. He has not played hardly at all. Uh, then Jack Estera has been the best receiver. He was a walk-on at Colorado, transferred in. Uh, he dealt with an injury last week. It sounds like he'll be good to play on Saturday, but still to be determined. So I think the issue is you really don't have a quarterback that you feel good about. Jalen Jones is more of a runner. Trexler Ivy's more of a passer, but even he's looked ineffective through there at times. And you your running game isn't what you want it to be. So that's that's kind of what I say. I mean, 15.3 points per game for Charlotte, 128th in the nation. You can't win like that unless it's going to be, as you say, just like muddy up the game, hit a big play at some point and hope that your special teams or defense kind of bails you out. Absolutely, Hunter. And, you know, I'll tell you, I would not want to be a Las Vegas odds maker for this game because this no. is, uh, you, you know, and it's and it's remarkable when you really look at it. You know, I'm listening to everything you're saying. You have two teams that are that are virtually identical. I yep. mean, it's 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 very bizarre. I mean. The record, obviously, is the first thing that jumps out. Both teams at one and five. But, you know, two teams that are just very inept offensively and struggling to find their identity. Um, 
you know, defensively very similar. And, um, you know, obviously, I think you mentioned before the show, the over and under for this game is what, 40 or 40 and a half. So um, anticipating a very low scoring ball game. I mean, you know, I think that what you're going to see is the teams who score or the team who scores is going to be the one that gets short fields. Um, so, you know, if you can pin back, you know, a Charlotte for if you're ECU and you pin back Charlotte deep in their own territory and maybe you take over at midfield, um, I think that's where you're going to see, you know, scoring opportunities for the most part. But uh, it's definitely <laughs> it's not going to be one for uh, ESPN Classic. I, I'm pretty confident saying that. Definitely, man. Uh, one, one thing I do want to say, too, about Charlotte's offense is last week specifically watching that. Uh, it was it was just like tough to watch. I tweeted out if this is the first football game you've ever seen. I'm sorry. Like, if you love defense, <laughs> that one might be for you. But Charlotte's offense was run, run, end up in third and seven, and then take a deep shot. They and if if it wasn't that, it was tight end screen, run, don't get the third down conversion, reset. And I, I don't know what what you got to do as an offensive coordinator, whether it's having drags, crossing routes, mesh concepts quick reads to get your get the ball out of your quarterback's hand and get it to a playmaker. Like Charlotte does have some speed at receiver with Jairus Mack. And then as I mentioned, Hostera, but they got to get these guys the ball and there isn't like a true deep threat. There isn't someone that's going to go make a 50, 50 ball, 80, 20 on this team. So their only real deep connection of the season was for a touchdown at Maryland. And it was on the first, the opening drive. And we haven't really seen anything like that since. So the big play, the, the biggest thing for Charlotte is going to be defending the big play because that's taken them out of two or three games this year is just like a you play good defense and then boom, they hit a 70-yarder and it just kind of deflates you, takes the wins out of your sails type of thing. Yeah, no doubt, Hunter. And, I mean, taking a look at Charlotte offensively, I mean, and, you know, obviously without giving any, you know, trade secrets or anything like that, I mean, what do you think the game plan will be offensively? I mean, do you think it's just going to be to try to stay out of trouble, um, you know, move the chains when possible and just play defense behind it? I think, you know, that that's, that's how I envision this game going for Charlotte. Definitely. I think, I think they go back to Jalen Jones. Um, I, like I say, I've been traveling this week uh, for, for work, so I haven't been able to go out to practice. Uh, but if I'm, if I'm Mike Miller, the OC, I watched the tape pack and I looked at what Trex or Ivy did on Saturday. I mean, you're talking three turnovers, two interceptions and a strip sack. One of the interceptions is just one of those balls that you have no idea how it got thrown. I think you go back to Jalen Jones. I mean, you look at the stats. He's the leading rusher from the quarterback position. So you know you're going to see a lot of option from him, a lot of designs. And as Poji said, he's Charlotte's eraser. And he means kind of the equivalent of, like I said, turning a 50-50 into an 80-20. That's what he thinks Jalen Jones is athleticism-wise. He's Charlotte's fastest, most explosive player on the field. And they got to get him the ball. So if that's I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if this dude was taking handoffs on Saturday. Um, I think they keep trying to throw wrinkles in to surprise teams. Like I said, Jalen Jones was playing receiver last week. Uh, something to spark the offense, but I think it's get the ball to Shattered Bird and Teron Kelman, get the tight end screen, screen game going with Colin Weber, 
try and find some short underneath passes to Hostera and Jairus Mack, and then a heavy dose of Jalen Jones quarterback design QB runs and options. That's like I say, if I was the OC, this is what I'm working with. That's, that's what I'm going with, man. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now Hunter, talk to me a little bit about the mindset of this team coming into Greenville for the first time. I mean, obviously you have two teams that uh, certainly, and I, and I don't say this disparage, disparagingly at all. I mean, Charlotte is newer to FCS football and, um, you know, excuse me, FBS football. And, um, you know, obviously first year in the American conference heading into Greenville, who, you know, it's a program that's been, you know, in the conference for a while. And I'm sure, uh, you know, you have to believe as a player on Charlotte, you're coming into this game jacked up. It's a in-state opponent. It's a conference opponent now. Um, what kind of mood do you get from this team as they head into Greenville? Yeah, I think right now I wouldn't I wouldn't really use the word desperate, but Poji said it the other day, they they need a win. And when you look at this, you you win your first game against an FCS, you lose five in a row. A couple of them felt like you could have won, maybe even should have won, but here you are, you're one and five, and now you're going against a team that you've never played before at a stadium you've never been, and it's in-state. I can't tell you how many of these kids' players or these these players' families are going to make this trip and friends. Like when you, you can't you can't spit in Charlotte with hitting or without hitting an ECU or App or North Carolina alone. So it's to have a game against a program like this, and it's, it's exciting. And then you add on top of it a little bit of the history with Mike Houston. It was rumored back in 2018 where he had been offered the job. And then he tells Mike Hill, Charlotte's athletic director, that he's considering other options. Mike Hill rescinds the offer. Houston takes over at ECU. Charlotte hires Will Healy soon after. So there's a little bit, I wouldn't call it like, like bad blood or anything, but there's a little bit of history between between the athletic department and then Houston. And so maybe that's a fun storyline for the, for the rivalry or whatever you want to call it going into this game. Uh, but I, I think the team's fired up. I think that they know there's winnable games in the back half. And I mean, we talked about it. This is from what we've seen Charlotte, from Charlotte this season is muddying up a game and just keeping it close into the fourth quarter is their best chance to win. And this seems like a game like that. Cause I mean, I think you and I both know unless Vegas is just wildly wrong. Like I do not expect a shootout on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. I mean, you know, the, I think I want to say this game opened at nine. Or possibly mm-hmm. nine and a half. And then now, last I saw, it's at six and a half. So, you know, obviously you're going to give, I, you know, I think you're going to give three points to the home team. And then, um, so I think, I think the line is, is reasonable. I, I actually would put it, if I was, you know, picking the line on this game, I would say it would be right around three, three and a half is where I would put it because I think you have two, you know, virtually identical teams. But, uh, but what do I know? Um, so, Hunter, how many fans are you anticipating bringing to Greenville for this game? I wish I had a number for that, man. I expect it's going to be a lot. I know that this one was circled. I, I did kind of a poll when the season started and put games that you're most excited about. I had a couple of them being Maryland and Florida being big road trips to Power Fives. Uh, but the overwhelming answer was this game. Um, I think I think everyone thought going in that neither one of these teams would be 1-5 and five at this point at least have a couple more wins. Uh, 
But, hey, man, I don't know what we're calling this game. I think the Booty Bowl is the best one that I've heard. And <laughs> so, I I mean, let's see, man. Well, I think it'll be a good turnout uh, for sure. I'll call it battle of uh, the inept offenses. How about that? Uh, but uh, yeah. but uh, that works, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll say this, you know, and and this is the this is the benefit of you know having teams regionally. Um, it does create some excitement for fans, and you know, obviously, the fact that you know you can bring you know potentially three to five thousand fans to this game. Um, you know, obviously just adds to the excitement of it. So that's the beauty of the playing regional opponents, I think. And, and you never know how this is going to go down. I mean, this, this could be the type of series that becomes, uh, dare I use the word rivalry over the years, but you never know exactly how that's going to play out. So certainly going to be interesting to watch, uh, unfold Hunter, a few more questions and we'll get you out of here. Um, any big plans when you come to Greenville, anything you're looking to do here, any restaurants, what's, what's, what do you got going on? hundred percent sure yet, man. I've, I've always heard good things about sub dogs. So I think I'll definitely stop by. Biff did uh, too. Biff yeah, did I, too. I heard about that. Um, <laughs> I was, I was a good clip. I normally I'm at the press conferences on Tuesday, but like I said, I was on some travel this week. Um, but Definitely. I'm just interested to kind of see the environment. Um, like I say, I've never been a uh, cousin of mine went there. A lot of friends of mine went there, but definitely kind of looking forward to see what it's like for sure. Yeah. I, you know, I, I hope you have a good time. I think you'll be impressed. I mean, Greenville is a great college town. Um, you know, this, the stadium is, is really, and I'm obviously biased having played for the pirates, but uh, it's a beautiful grass surface. Uh, the field plays fast. It's a really great environment, especially when ECU is winning. You know, I don't think you're going to get nearly the full effect this weekend based on the records. Because, um, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, hey, if you're if you're a fan, you know, you you do get turned off a little bit by by one in five teams. But uh, hopefully you're able to get a, a good experience. Enjoy the environment. Definitely go to Sup Dogs. Uh, enjoy that. And, uh, you know, before we get you out of here, Hunter, tell us uh, – a little bit about how uh, pirate fans can find you, can can follow your work, and and you know maybe a Twitter handle, etc. Definitely, um, Twitter is at hunter underscore bailey forty five. I host the Highway Forty Nine podcast, and all Charlotte Forty Niners writing is for the Charlotte Observer. And then I just started covering the Charlotte Hornets for the Charlotte Post, so. We're going to see how that goes, but yeah, appreciate you guys having me on and, and definitely follow along. Absolutely, Hunter. I hope you have a great trip. I appreciate you, and I know Bubba does as well, hopping on here for 15, 20 minutes. And, uh, you know, hey, let the best man win, right? I think it's going to be fun, man. It's going to be ugly, but it's going to be fun. <laughs> All right, man. Hey, thanks again, buddy. You take care. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Okay. There you have it. Hunter Bailey, the Charlotte 49ers beat writer for the Charlotte Observer, also the host of the Highway 49 podcast. Appreciate him coming back on the show to discuss this weekend's homecoming matchup between East Carolina and the Charlotte 49ers, the first time these programs have ever met on the gridiron. Um, In addition to that, uh, you know, appreciate everyone tuning in. 
and we'll certainly have the Pirate football playback on Sunday night, hopefully taking a look at the Pirates' second win of the season. And um, also we had content uh, throughout the week. Last night, just another sports podcast, episode 11, Kyle and Stevie caught up with Andrew Bays, uh, All-American punter for the Pirates um, back in the, the 90s. Andrew, of course, is a color analyst alongside Jim Zoki on the, the road games or for the road games. And um, very interesting to hear his thoughts in the midway point of the 2023 season uh, on Monday. Jeff Connors on absolute empowerment. Uh, the former ECU strength coach caught up with Sam Sears and uh, Dr. Sam Sears of the ECU um, School of Psychology. Uh, specifically talking about you know um, the psychology as it pertains to cardiac patients and cardiac rehabilitation. And then uh, earlier this evening, we had Sonny and Semenza, uh, Sonny and Semenza taking a look at week eight of college football, uh, some of the top games, including um, and really highlighted by Penn State traveling in the horseshoe to take on Ohio State. Uh, you also have Alabama and Tennessee. Uh, obviously, a very um, long-going, uh, tradition-rich rivalry um, that this year is being played at Bryant-Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa. And they also talked about one of the big games out west, USC coming off that a very sound defeat um, that they suffered uh, at Notre Dame last weekend. I believe what forty-nine to twenty. Um, Caleb Williams. You know, through three picks against the Fighting Irish and the Trojans are going to be looking to bounce back at the Coliseum as they are hosting 14th ranked Utah. Uh, what will be a very interesting matchup. Uh, obviously, the Utes got the best of the Trojans twice last year uh, in the regular season and in the Pac-12 championship game. They are, I want to say, a, a touchdown dog, either a six and a half or seven point dog. Uh, as they head to the Coliseum this weekend, I definitely uh, would take them to cover, and it won't shock me if they win the football game. But um, you know, for everyone here at the Sports Objective, we appreciate you tuning in. Be sure to follow us on social media, on X at the Sports OBJ, on Instagram and TikTok at the Sports Objective. Like and follow us on Facebook, and of course, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, for the Sports Objective team. I'm Bob Rosenbaum. We'll talk to you soon. And as always, go Pirates. Uh, uh.